Sometimes there's a podcast, and I'm talking about ribbon of memes here. Sometimes there's a podcast that's, well, it's the podcast for its time and place. Hello and welcome to Ribbon of Memes episode 49. I am Nick, and I am joined as ever by the dude, but we tend to call him Roger around here. I really don't think I'm qualified for that. (laughs) Um, And we have a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other random characters as masterpieces. Uh, we do it chronologically, year by year. We ish. have reached... Uh, chronologically-ish, yes, on, on a, a, a semi, semi-fixed schedule. We have reached 1998, I believe. Mm. And we are getting laid back and sort of delving into noir again, maybe, or not. Um, with the I, Big I Lebowski, think very much so. But we, we'll, we'll come back to that. Well, it's it's sort of an anti-noir, is it? But this is our third visit to the Coen Brothers. The two, the first two were very well received by both of us. Um, and the Big Lebowski is, um, well, it's kind of a Chandler-esque um, film noir twisting plot, complete with. Um, uh, uh, private detectives and policemen and and heiresses and kidnapping um but it doesn't have a typical noir protagonist and that's uh, i guess that's the point of it i could describe the plot but it's probably not um, it's probably not it will probably take as long to describe the plot as to watch the film um it is twisting and byzantine along the lines of um uh not the maltese falcon um, uh, it's, it's, it's more, more it's like more, the big sleep yeah but... yes uh, I can't remember whether we said this when we talked about it, but um, during the filming of The Big Sleep, uh, they they called up the author and said, OK, so who did kill this guy? Or was it actually natural causes? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think the plot of The Big Lebowski probably holds together slightly better than The Big Sleep. Um, but Yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah. The, uh, okay. Fair enough. Um, but the main, the main principle of the Big Lebowski is what if we dropped a um, kind of slacker, dropout, stoner character uh, who has no interest in being a noir protagonist into a noir plot um, and see what happens. Well, what happened is uh, via some other interesting characters, the, the Big Lebowski. Yeah. Um... Yeah. So would it would it make sense to start with the characters? It's probably it's probably a good. I'm, I'm going to um, cards on the table. I do love the Big Lebowski. I don't know quite uh, how you feel about it yet, Roger. I'm pretty sure you don't <laughs> love it in the same way that I do, um, and that's fair well, enough. That's I'd like to investigate why. <laughs> um, okay, but let's let's talk about the characters because really they're probably more important. Important is a funny one with The Big Lebowski because it is a film that throws up a lot of sort of things that seem important and that either aren't or don't make a lot of sense and the film just sort of trundles along regardless and mm. comes to a conclusion. Um, the plot is wrapped up such that it is but it doesn't really feel like that was the point of the film by the end of it. Yeah, I, 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 once we've talked about who's involved in it perhaps we can come back to that. Okay, so the 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 chief protagonist is, uh, of course, the dude, um, Jeff Bridges, uh, in a very different role to what I had ever seen him in before. Uh, I mean, my chief experience of Jeff Bridges was um, at Tron, of course, because mm. I'm a nerd. Um, uh, he's in the last picture shows. I mean, he's he's obviously in a lot of things. He's a highly prolific and very skilled actor, but here he's he's very different. Um, well, I think how he's been since. I he mean, that, that, like let's Flynn, not forget before Tron, he he was in Heaven's Gate. So, <laughs> goodness me, I thought nobody. <laughs> I thought we didn't talk about uh, Heaven's Gate. But but he, I mean, 
he was in Starman. Uh, Star, I love, I flipping love Starman. I don't know why. Maybe that's guilty pleasure because everyone else hates it. But uh, fabulous know. Baker Boys. Oh uh, yes. And he, he'd been in quite a bit of stuff. And I, I hadn't really been aware of him. I think because the stuff he'd been doing was, you know, action roles shading to leading man roles in films yeah. I wasn't particularly interested in. Yes. Uh, and at this point, I mean, the, this was, I don't want to say a, re, a career restarter for him because he was having a perfectly good career. It's just what I wasn't noticing. Yes. But I think people who were in my sort of position suddenly noticed, hang on a minute, this guy's still out there and he can do this thing and it's a good thing. It, it has um, become th- this is, an you know, iconic He, he is admitting that he is, uh, what, 49 years old at this point. Yes. And he's allowing himself to look old rather than leading man. It's a bit like the unforgiven uh, Clint that we encountered in that Clint wasn't actually, I guess by our standard, he wasn't tremendously old at that point, but he was starting to act as a, an older man. Well, um, also, if you're in Hollywood and you have a reasonable amount of money, you can look, um, you know, young and active. Uh, yeah, into your For a lot, a lot longer than mere mortals like us. Exactly. exactly. Piers Brosnan is just still doing action roles. Oh, goodness me. Um, uh, well, good luck to him. It's just, um, you do have to be male for that to work. Yeah. Uh, in Hollywood, of course. Um, but here he is, um, I mean, I think he is based on a character the Coen Brothers knew, one of their producers. Yeah. Um, well. Also called The Dude. Hmm. That's, that's interesting in itself because, uh, yeah, this is Jeff Dowd. Um, mm. who is, oh, f- first came to people's notice as a, uh, Political uh, student activist is one of, one of the Seattle Seven, and in fact, there's uh, the, some of the things that Lebowski uh, or the dude, I should say, attributes to himself were things that Jeff Dowd had actually done. Um, yeah, which is why it's, it's quite. I don't know how loosely or heavily based on him. It, I don't think Jeff Dowd is quite the level of laziness. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. The dude here. Um, I, I did a bit of reading about uh, Dowd and yeah, people who worked with him and so on, and. The thing that really struck me, and maybe this is just a thing that happened later, but it seems to be all through, is they all talk about his energy. You know, uh, after the student activism days, he got into film producing, uh, film mm. promotion, uh, and what they all say is he, you know, he will hold you down and say, you must see this film. It's the greatest film ever. That's hard to imagine the dude as presented here having any kind of enthusiasm for anything. So he may well have been, you know, uh, a guy primarily interested in his own enjoyment and essentially quite lazy, but I don't think, I don't think you would recognise Dowd from the portrayal here, put it that way. I, I agree. It's hard to imagine a significant passion from the dude. Um, and I, he is, I mean, I, he's kind of a stereotype. I mean, he, he's basically a, a pretty much stereotype aging stoner, but, um, uh, I find, as I often find with the Cohen characters, there is, he's given a, not quite a complexity, but a, a kind of, a wit and a, a, a character sheen that just works for me in a way that, for me, when he's on the screen, I'm just happy to watch him and I don't really care what's happening. And that doesn't happen to me very often with films. With The Big Lebowski, um, I watched like the first ten minutes and I, I was just, hooked and I, I, I struggle to explain why and it'd be interesting to find out I'm pretty mm. sure that didn't happen to you but quite why did but wait, wait, I, I didn't find him as later. compelling but I still found him enjoyable to watch yeah and he, he's he got uh, as, as far as the acting is concerned that this is somebody who is completely at ease with his own body yes um, and can it's move a in a relaxed way isn't yeah it? Uh, we, we were just saying before we started that, that there's that bit where, you know, he, he's being assaulted and he's got a drink in his hand. <laughs> yeah. Careful, man. There's a beverage here. And he may be being thrown around the room, but he keeps that drink upright as, as he gets yes. into the back of the car. He gets thrown into the back of a car, from the back of one car into another car. The other, there's another nice bit of physical acting where he throws, um, his, his spliff out the window, um, forgetting that the window's not open, it lands on his lap and just the kind of shrieks of horror. Um, it's interesting because the dude being this laid back character, he actually spends quite a lot of this film in a state of stress and tension and not very laid back. Well, it's mostly because he is scared because he believes the threats are to be made to him. 
Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. We cut off your Johnson um, and and such. It, it does um, occur to me. Uh, it's not a style of film I like particularly, so I don't know really when it gets started. But in certainly in more recent films, in an awful lot of what I think of as man-child protagonist, you know, the sort of guy who does the absolute bare minimum to get by, yeah. uh, just wants to play video games and smoke weed all day. And is presented as the hero who is going to get the girl and, you know, she's going to have yes. to adjust to his lifestyle, not the other way around. And now do you, do you feel that happens here? Well, no, that's the thing. Cause yeah, that's, that's, he, good, he that's has not some, the message I get from it. He does have some similarities of habit, but he's not making anyone else suffer by it. He's, he's not no. saying anybody else needs to conform to him. That, so. I think that is why people probably, and me included, probably respond. I mean, the dude is now a cult character. People, he's almost a religious character in that there is dudism and people uh, get together. There's Lebowski conventions, um, and and uh, you know he it has been an influential character in that sense. Um, I think you're right. I think he is a very much a live and let live character. Um, and and he just wants to enjoy himself. But also, I don't know that he is kind of portrayed as the hero. So, I, you know, even the opening narration where introduced to the dude and he said, you know, I'm not going to see a hero with Sam Elliott's uh, wonderful... Is it Sam Elliott? It is, uh, yeah. Uh, wonderful gravelly voice. Uh, we we'll, might get onto his character too, um, such that it is. Um, but what I know oh, this gets onto the things that I like about Lebowski even in the narration which sounds portentous and is traditionally used to tell us what the film's about he loses track of what he's saying and doesn't mm -hmm. he kind of says oh I kind of lost my train of thought there and I think right there tells you what you need to know about the big Lebowski that that's what it's about it, it's almost like Seinfeld the sitcom that was famously the show about nothing Lebowski is a bit like that too i feel um but i've distracted myself i'm not sure he's meant to be the the hero so much as well, the comedy character we, we we throw around terms like protagonist very easily but in terms of the original uh sense of that you know the person who does things he really isn't yeah. that and, and to except to he, the bare minimum as he has to be well, it's it's almost like the film happens to him rather than he gets anything done. In as much as anything gets done, it's actually his his friend, um, uh, played by John Goodman. Um, yeah, it's, who, it's uh, much more an art film than it looks on the surface. In that regard, yeah. yeah. Um, now, I I will admit to a problem with John Goodman here. Um, his acting is is very good, but the character is just too well observed. I have known people. Very yeah. much like that. Okay. Except I I've known the UK version, so they were into airsoft rather than real guns. I, I do get a hint of that actually with, um, with Walter. Um, he is, uh, again, beautifully observed. Uh, you know, this, like he is, uh, almost randomly, you know, he's converted to Judaism and uh, is fanatically devoted to that as he is to, as he is to guns and the military. Uh, I. It, it, it's the way, particularly, that a any mild hump in the road is a personal deliberate attack on his entire way of life. Uh, well, uh, the one scene in the film that I do find a bit uncomfortable is the one... And I'm normally quite good with uh, discomforting humour, and I, I really like the Big Lebowski. The, the scene where um, they're discussing the toe in the diner, mm. um, and Lebowski leaves, and he's left there saying, I'm drinking my coffee! I'm drinking my coffee! It's free country! My friends died face down there. I've been in similar situations with people like that, mm. and I have found it incredibly uncomfortable. So I, I, I think you're right. He's, he's almost too. It's sad because he's a stereotype, but. but it's I, I spent the film waiting for the reveal that he had never actually been in Vietnam at all. <laughs> right, yes. Uh, though, you know, as I say, beautifully observed. The fact that he's working as, in a security business. And you know exactly what sort of sales pitch he would give you as part of that security business. <laughs> what I like about the Cohen characters and what is, you, very quickly you get to understand who they are and what they are. Um, uh, and uh, then it just puts them in bizarre situations and watches them react. But I agree, mm. Walter is, uh, in, in some ways he's, the protagonist in that he gets a lot more done than um, the dude does not necessarily the right thing um, though he was right about the toe turns out um, <laughs> yes okay I, I will accept that uh, problem with Walter and I, I feel it a bit too now that you mention it uh, 
as I say, it, it's because I've known people who act that way that it was perhaps a bit close to the bone. Um, where I think this does fall short compared with the other current films we've watched, Blood Simple and Fargo, is in the female roles. Uh, I mean, for a start, it yep. doesn't have Francis McDormand, which makes any film worse. <laughs> that is definitely true. I'm not going to argue on that point at all. But, you know, Julianne Moore is good, but she's in basically three scenes. Yes. And the role is simplistic at best. It's basically, yeah, well, obviously he's got to get laid at some point, but he doesn't want commitment, and conveniently she provides that with no effort on his part. Yes, I see. I suppose I read her as a, an anti-femme fatale, but I think the film will be nonetheless without him getting laid. I don't think it necessarily needs it. Um, she, uh, she, she's she's good in what she does I, but I agree she hasn't got much of a, a, a part and, and Bunny has even less of one though I, I did have a look at this, this is actually very early in Tara Reid's career um, this is her second film role because uh, the next year she does American Pie and that makes her a star um, even connected the two but yes of course it is uh, this is her second film role her, uh, when, and she's 20-ish 22, something like that. Um, her first film role, this is great, A Return to Salem's Lot. <laughs> Not, oh please goodness. note, written by Stephen King. No. Writ, part, part written and directed by the great Larry Cohen of Q the Winged Serpent and It's Alive. I flipping love Q the Winged Serpent. Um, I'll fight anyone who said Actually, it's, it is bad, but I like it. Anyway. Yeah. I had a quick look at that Return to Salem's Lot, and oh boy, it's not um, not the best film out <laughs> <Okay>. there. <laughs> okay, all right. But but she's you know twelve in that, so <laughs> fair enough. Anyway, I mean, yeah, here she is. She's here to look pretty and and be. Uh, uh, I, I, yes, I mean the female roles are. I don't know about problematic. I mean they're certainly as well served as any other noir plot, but that they. And they've got a slight Cohen spin on both of them, but they're not. They don't get much time, and they're not well developed. And fundamentally, they're not the interesting characters to watch. Mm. Um, I mean, all right, I'm still still waiting for another British Shaughnessy, but yeah, I'm going to wait a long time. Clearly, I'm afraid. So. <laughs> um, um, okay, so... yes, that's pretty much all the female characters. Yeah, uh, I think. yeah <laughs> and they never yeah, meet yeah. each other. So. <laughs> It was certainly not um, a Bechdel test warrior here, are we? That's true. How about um, Steve Buscemi? Yeah, it's it's interesting to see him taking a, a relatively backseat role. I mean, the other things we've seen him in, he's been very much, I will take over the screw and over I'm on it, and here he's not allowed to finish a sentence. I'm sure that must have been deliberate. I, I feel this is, this is basically much as in... Uh, Pulp Fiction, where he's relegated, he spends Reservoir Dogs uh, spending some time of it complaining about uh, waiters and uh, why they should get tipped, and then in Pulp Fiction he's relegated to a cameo as a waiter, um, mm. which was a deliberate from Tarantino's point of view. Here, I feel like he spends the whole of Fargo not shutting up, and so pretty much every sentence he says in The Big Lebowski is followed by John Goodman telling him to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm pretty sure. Consequently, I feel like it's a bit of a joke role and doesn't quite work for me. Yeah, it's, it's not quite a cameo because he's no. in quite a lot of scenes, but it's a very it's small never... role. On the other hand, the, the same year as this, he's in Armageddon, so he presumably doesn't need the money. No, no it's, still, it's still nice to see him there, but it, it's hard to think of him as a as a character in it. Um, we have the older Lebowski. Um, who I, I think is very nicely played. I, it's nice to see him. You can see that exact character in uh, an old bogey noir film, basically. And it's just utter horror of being uh, confronted by the dude. Again, just... I, the problem is, whenever there's a scene with the dude in it, I, I, just, find, I just find it intrinsically funny. Um, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. things like... It's just... To me, it's one of those endly, endlessly quotable films, like uh, when he's been berated for... how Are you going to dress like that? Are you going to get a job like that on a work day? And just the dude's reaction of... Was it... Is this a... What, what, what day is this? <laughs> just... Mm-hmm. Everything about them. So I'm perhaps not entirely objective. But I... The old little about it. Philip Seymour Hoffman... Before he a, became hugely popular. I mean, he was known, but... 
Yes, exactly. And I think I I really like his performance here. It's just this mm. kind of cringe kind of oh when Bunny talks to uh, the dudes and just his expression um or just his politely removing the dude's hand from the the sort of heirlooms as he's wandering around the old Lebowski's house. I I really love his performance here. Yeah, and I suppose we mentioned in passing John Turturro's as the um rival bowler. Yeah, it, it's it's very broad. It doesn't do a lot for me, but I like. Apparently, he has made a spin-off film um, with that character. I have, uh, frankly, zero interest in watching it. But I, I like the juxtaposition between this immensely confident, um, purple-clad bowler and watching him uh, walk around the streets, <laughs> having to um, having to tell everyone that he's a, a paedophile or at least a sex offender. Mm. It's a, it's a. It, I don't know. It's a nice little touch, but it is one of those. It's just one of the many little dead ends in Lebowski that this character is given a great introduction, gets one scene. That's it, really. Um, but it does have the moment again that I fell in love with the big Lebowski, where um, uh, he gives this tirade against our trio, um, our bowling trio, and he kind of conditioned by films to expect the dude to come back with some kind of scathing comeback um, and his rambling comeback is basically well it's just your opinion man and I don't know there's something about the which I think uh, was already a cliched stoner comeback even before this and has certainly become so since it's the, the delivery of it I just um, it does it for me um, I must admit the thing that really grabbed me and probably my favourite thing about the film is the dream sequences yeah, whenever he is oh, I was wondering what you would think beat about up, those. knocked unconscious, in an altered state of consciousness for whatever reason. Um it's just fun. Yeah, yes, it is, yeah. Uh particularly the whole Bosby Barkley bowling musical thing. Yes, uh that's where we and, and we have a camera inside a bowling ball at first. I don't know if it's a special effect or not, but it's uh it, it's, it, a it's, nice it's claimed to be the first time that was put on film, but yeah, who knows. But the Coen brothers claim a lot of things that aren't necessarily <laughs> true. Uh, yes, I do like the dream sequences. They feel very, um, uh, yeah, uh, out of place, but in a film where everything is sort of out of place. Um, so Interesting that they they use a uh, still from one of those on the film poster as well. Yeah, that is interesting, because it's not really represented, although I'm not really sure what would be represented. I mean, there's so many little <laughs> subplots um, that don't really go anywhere or do anything the whole Jackie um, Treehorn basically everything in the film is is a plot that doesn't really go anywhere or do anything yeah well that, that was that's the main thing that um, got got to me about this because it reminded me a lot of the big sleep in this respect you know we've got double cross piled on double cross yes we don't have Bogart and Bacall which is a shame but you know <laughs> they're, they're dead <laughs> no. uh that but, won't stop Disney in the future. But the thing is, at, at the end, um, Senior Lebowski's still stolen the money. It hasn't been recovered for the foundation. Yeah. Um, the dude still doesn't have a rug. <laughs> he doesn't, and it really tied the room together. Uh, yeah, it, it's a meandering... It, it's deliberately inconclusive. Well, I, th- I, th- I think that's why I go back to the voiceover, that, it, you know, it really does give you an idea of what the film's going to do, which is just... Hmm meander around, touch on all these noir um, stereotypes um, and uh, and plot points and never really get anywhere um, again another favourite scene of mine is the one time in the whole film the dude does some actual detective work, he jumps up, Jackie Treehorn leaves the room, he jumps up he does the proper thing, you know he shades over the pads with the, with the pencil to find out what the imprint was it turns out Jackie Treehorn is just doing an obscene doodle while he's talking on the phone mm-hmm. which, um, I don't know the, the fact that I love that um, I don't know, probably I'm not very objective about the Big Lebowski because just every scene works for me. Um, I think the th- the thing that didn't really work for me at a meta level is that yeah, it has this thing to say, "What if the Big Sleep or something of that style?" Only with this guy, Stoner, yeah. But it says it repeatedly, and the answer is always the same. Yes, that is a fair criticism. Yes, that I don't know if it's any deeper than that, and and. 
I, I, I suppose I worry the big about it. It's, it's one of those films where it kind of feels... It's not that it isn't well done or intelligent, but it feels like it should have a deeper meaning than it does. <laughs> and I'm really not sure there is a particular meaning to it. But it's one of those films that makes you want to be... Because you get to the end of it and kind of think, oh, what was the point of that? It's one of those that really invites analysis. And I, I'm not sure it necessarily deserves it. Uh, it certainly invites rewatching, and I would recommend that always. But Fair enough. I, I don't see myself being in any sort of rush to rewatch it. Um, I think partly because of this, I've, I've started to appreciate film as more than a storytelling medium as its own thing. Yes. And it's not the storytelling that's brilliant here for me. It's the, the acting, um, the way the way things are framed, the way things are shot. Yes. Uh, I rather like the soundtrack. It feels as though it's built as a soundtrack to some extent. It, it's a bit obvious, but they're good songs. So they are. I I I believe all the songs in it are um, uh, diegetic. You know, they're all playing at some point in the film. I could be wrong about that, but I think for the most part they Ooh, are. Uh, I'm not sure about Dead Flowers for a start. Oh, okay. But, Perhaps yeah. I'm wrong. But they're they're off. Yeah, I I like the soundtrack too. Um, it's a hard movie to well I suppose what I'm coming around to is it's a hard perhaps it wasn't the best pick for Ribbon of Memes because it's a hard <laughs> movie to analyse um, because it it feels like it's taunting you to analyse it and then uh, it almost takes the piss out of you for trying to analyse it because hmm. I feel like there isn't a deeper meaning but I, well, I, I could see say. that if I'd paid to see it and had some idea beforehand of what I was seeing I could get really annoyed but fortunately, I, you know, I I wasn't misled. So, yeah, I, I, well, it's on one of my many streaming services. So, I'm, but I I I can see. I mean, this didn't. I don't know how well it was received, but it's certainly become a cult hit. But it wasn't tremendously well received. This came off the back of Fargo, and I can hmm. see why coming off Fargo and expecting the same and getting this. I mean, it's hard to classify it in a genre, but it's basically a comedy comedy film noir is that fair to say yeah um, but it's I can see that would be frustrating because Fargo it actually has a similarly meandering uh, plot in a way but it feels like it's telling the story of a crime uh, in a way that the Big Lebowski isn't really I, I don't know mm. quite what it's telling it's telling the story of the dude except uh, it doesn't really tell much about him either he, he's not changed by the end of the film he's not in any way affected by the experiences he's, he's yeah, you could ask him. how much he's actually noticed of it but <laughs> exactly exactly so um, yeah so 15 million budget um took him five and a half mil on the open weekend and 18 million um u.s final gross which sounds good until you remember to divide by between two and three for the share that the cinemas keep yes yeah uh, i mean it it Hollywood accounting, it probably made a bit of money in, in the end, but it certainly didn't make the sort of money that film investors like to see. And, and certainly wasn't the success of Fargo, which what, Fargo wasn't in our top ten, but it was, it had, if I remember correctly, it was something like 20 million budget and 100 million return along those sort of lines of numbers. Um, so it was... Yeah, it, it um, was... Mi mixed reviews at the time. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of people saying, you know, okay, the Coens have made a misstep this time. But I think it's become a lot more popular later. It has, as I say, there are now Lebowski cons and um, dudism is a is a philosophy, and I, I find it one of those annoying for anyone else who hasn't seen endlessly quotable films that I just I just feel happy watching it, and I I I suppose I wanted to discuss about it. I, I'm not quite sure what it is about the film I, to some extent I like enough of the Cohen stuff that I just kind of trust them in a way that I don't trust other filmmakers mm. and so I will just go with it um, and maybe that's a slightly misplaced trust because I, I feel like <laughs> they are a bit mischievous and a bit um, well I, I think it's not that they're letting you down it's that they're deliberately letting you down and letting you yeah. down is the point Exactly, yes. I think you've hit upon the point of The Big Lebowski, really. So if there is a point at all. Going in and having some at least vague idea of what was going to happen, I didn't feel too badly annoyed by that. 
No, well, I, I've had similar experiences of um, uh, of the Coens in that I, I probably said during our Fargo episode I watched it with a room full of people and I was the only one that seemed to enjoy it. Um, and then the big... I didn't seek out more Coen brother films. I just found The Big Lebowski on cable, I suppose we call it nowadays, or satellite TV one day, uh, and just really enjoyed it. And, and that's where my kind of love of the Coens began. But I... Uh, I don't know how I'd feel if I'd been like, wow, I loved Fargo. I'm going to go and see The Big Lebowski. Probably I would have been disappointed too, I suspect. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard for me to feel disappointed by The Big Lebowski. I mean, I think it's also worth considering the um, political angle on this. I don't think they set out to make a political film, but they're not stupid people and everything is political to some extent. So you've got, you know, yes. Walter is obviously... Utterly in favour of Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Yeah, yeah, go yes. America. Uh, but he's also shown to be, um, <laughs> to be, well, basically a foolish incompetent for most of the film. Whereas Walter doesn't really care about stuff. Uh, the do, yeah, yes, Sorry, uh, yeah, the do, yeah, yeah. The do. Um, I wonder if it would be, uh, I don't know, instructive or useful to talk about the plot is that a bit and comparing it with classic plot the uh, classic noir films because i i opened it by saying is this is this a noir or not and you you were very much yeah this is a noir well the plot is because otherwise you have to say the big sleep isn't uh, yeah it's, it's it's not quite the same it, plot it doesn't have the noir elements that i i regard as important particularly the nature of the protagonist we talked about that uh well I several mean, times we already have... Well, we have, and that is, um, down these mean streets a man must walk who is not himself mean. Well, that does fit the dude's character. Yeah, but he does not, for example, really care about the business of his employer. Uh, no, that's true. It, it, <laughs> I mean, the big joke is it's a noir plot with without a noir protagonist. And, and not only that, it's someone who would actively avoid being a noir protagonist. Um, but even then, he's slightly mistaken um, as a noir protagonist by other characters in the film, which I find particularly the, the private eye that is actually um, following him mm. on behalf of uh, Bunny's parents. Um, he assumes that the dude is a private eye. Well, quite why I don't know, <laughs> mm. but I, I I find I feel like that's a knowing wink that other people in the film aren't really in on the joke that he isn't noir protagonist. They treat him as if he is, at least at first. And he's in, he keeps turning up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yes, yeah. But, oh, um, th thinking of which, I, sh I should have a, a small diversion into Roger's Guns Corner. It's really difficult to make an Uzi uh, fire like that. It's they're kind of designed not to. Oh, okay, all right. Because <laughs> there is basically no no normal situation in which you want it to do that. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine any well, except at the the, the closing. Uh, let's not open the closing fights of the Big Lebowski, which reminds me, and we haven't mentioned Peter Stamare uh, returning mm. um, as a uh, a nihilist. Sadly, no wood chippers this time. But uh, no, he would, he's, he's much more threatening. He's, he's almost like a parody of his other character here, and he's um, he's kind of a. Uh, I mean, again, we do have uh, I, every time I think of the big, I think of another quote I like, such as uh, "Say what you like about the tenets of national socialism, at least it's a philosophy," um, mm. which is um, not quite where we get nihilism. Uh, but yeah, Peter Stamare uh, with a marmot in a bath. Uh, I don't know what to say about his performance other than I, I just it works I like it he's, he's a sort of it's not quite a classic noir body but he's a parody of one yeah he's more more like his um, role in Fargo I guess it, it, you don't really get to see him that much he doesn't, no. doesn't get a lot of acting the way he did there so it's a bit of a shame but uh, the, the thing that kept striking me was these people think that they are in a Tarantino film or a post-Tarantino copy film. Yeah. And they just haven't noticed that they're in a Coen Brothers film, which I, I guess you could say of Fargo as well. Well, that's it. It's in, again, that's one of the reasons I like, uh, the Coens, that in the era where everyone was trying to be Tarantino or more Tarantino than that, um, uh, they, they aren't really, and they don't go for gratuitous, um, Violence, especially. I mean, there is some, but it's 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 really not the Tarantino style of violence. It doesn't build a lot of tension in the way that Tarantino does. It's not um, particularly graphic. 
not particularly there is an ear biting off um, uh, uh, which I suppose I don't know if that was in some way a nod to Reservoir Dogs now I think about it but, uh, but probably not um, implied toe removal implied toe well there's definitely a toe removal we never quite find out whose toe it is oh yeah we do oh yes we do we do oh my god how did I forget yes there is a, a toe removal scene um, uh, or uh, we definitely find out whose toe it is uh, I've got lost in the plot again um well, I mean, what would it be? Rough, roughly threefold. Um, Bunny has vanished. Yes. The nihilists use this because they they are aware of her through through uh, Jackie, or through, or just through having moved moved in the same circles as her before, um, to do their ransom demand, knowing full the old... and and then uh, Lebowski Senior uses that as an excuse to steal money from the foundation. Yeah. Send them a, a fake package of money, assuming that they will kill the wife that he doesn't particularly care about. Yes. And, and then, then he will have the million dollars. Yes. Uh, and that's, that's kind of how it works out, except they never had money in the first place and she's still blissfully alive. Yeah, which, you know, as far as plot's concerned, that, that that's not on a par with the complexity of the big sleep. No, because that, that's pretty much what's there, and then people come along and mess it up. Uh, yes, yeah, it, it's revealed through complicated. There, there are a number of dead ends. You know, we have the whole Jackie Treehorn bit, which has got nothing to do with it. Where we have um, Jesus in the bowling out. The, the whole bowling has got nothing to do with any of it, really. Um, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, Douglas Anzord, he's a script editor on Doctor Who. Um, he really hated scenes of people walking along corridors. Right. He, he just felt they were they were cliched and overdone, so particularly in the stories that he was writing, he made a point of yes, we have to have this exposition scene, but let us have it you know, in an air car or in, in some <laughs> other yes. sort of context. Just just well, to change our, things around a bit. Our film that does that classically well is The Terminator, in that there's a ton hmm. of exposition, but it's all done on the move. Um uh, usually in a car park, but it still works well <laughs> for it. Um, here, there isn't, uh, there is exposition, I suppose, G- um, uh, Julianne Moore's character, uh, generally has to do the exposition, the dude doesn't really do any, um, it, I'm struggling to analyse the Big Lebowski further, um, because there's not, there's not so much to say, I, I suppose I just find it, um, funny. Mm. Now, well, so there's a useful question. Did you find it funny? Well, standard calibration first. I have no sense of humour, as we've previously that's established. <laughs> I know, I know. You say you do, but that's well. I I do not find funny a whole lot of things that almost everybody else does. All right, fair uh, enough. There are there are bits of it that I definitely did. Um, not a lot of them, but yeah, it's there. Okay. Uh, did you find, whereas we had Gross Point Blank, uh, in a previous episode? Which I enjoyed most of in, in a, in a humour sense. Okay, yeah, alright. So it's interesting to sort of calibrate in that way. Um, yeah, because a lot of Gross Point Blank is sort of, well, it's not quite awkward humour. Well, it's not really awkward humour here. It's, a lot of the Big Lebowski is, is kind of surreal, um, uh, in the sense that the things that happen don't really make a lot of sense or have a lot of bearing on the plot. but I, And I'm normally not at all a fan of Surreal, but it's grounded by the fact that it, each scene plays out kind of realistically with the characters we have. It's just the scenes mm. uh, become increasingly bizarre as, as they go on. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, well, uh, I think if we compare Griff like Black, I think that's interesting because that is essentially fish out of water. Which is one of the very standard comedy setups. Yeah, here here is this guy who is at least theoretically very good at what he does, thrown into a situation in which he is not very good at what he does. Yes, and the Lebowski, the dude, doesn't so much fish out of water as bring the water with him, <laughs> and he, he's yes, requiring the people he interacts point. with to, to to move into his terms, unless they're just beating that's him right, up. Obviously, everyone. That's a really good point. Yeah, it's almost like everyone else is is a fish out of water with the dude who carries mm. his own carries his own genre along with him into whatever film he he carries. I, it's not a film I would uh, ever and, want and to that see. bit I did like. Uh, I I like the way that was portrayed. Um, 
it got me more in sympathy with him yeah you know, as with the physical acting of, of just he's completely at ease with who he is uh he has no interest in changing for anybody and that sort of confidence is appealing in itself even if it would be probably hugely annoying if you knew him personally yes Yes, I, I agree. It's a, it's a great physical performance from Jeff Bridges. Uh, it's a great performance all around, I think. Um, I, there's some great physical comedy in it. I, you know, I love the scene where he nails the, he finally nails the, the, the chair to the door, uh, to stop people coming in, only to find the door uh, within a few seconds opens outwards rather than inwards. I, it's, it doesn't, to me, it just, I, I, I don't, I'm not being objective, but I, I can't explain. I just, it just works for me at all those moments. Yeah, I think for me it's many of the little bits work. Yeah. Taken as a whole, it's doing a diff- very different thing from what I was expecting, and it's not a thing that I think needs to be happening at that length, but yeah, I, I didn't hate agree. it. I, I, did en- I, I did enjoy it overall. I just don't love it. You just don't love it. Uh, yes, I suppose next to me, it, it's like, uh, I, do, I do think it's probably longer than it needs to be, the film. But I don't. That, that's a hard thing to say because I don't know really what it needs to be because I don't really know what it. What it. I, I'm just happy to spend a few hours in the company of these people. Um, hmm. Not that I'd want to in reality. And as you say, particularly <laughs> Walter. Um, well, yeah. It turns out we both know people like that. That people like that are um, uh, perhaps more on the rise now than, <laughs> than they were previously as well. Well, that's, that's a separate thing. But yeah. Yes. Uh, so yeah, 117 minutes as released, which. I mean, comedies tend to be shorter. Yeah, it, I think it is a comedy above all, um, but it is a—it's it, a black comedy, yes, but not not as black comedy as Gross Point Blank. No, I I, I do feel I—it's interesting in these rewatches. I always felt I preferred The Big Lebowski. That was my favourite Coen's film. I must say, in these rewatches, I probably enjoyed Fargo more. Um, I think it is bleaker and blacker. Uh, maybe not as funny to me, but I, I think it just it's warmer as well in a way. I mean, Lebowski is it's it's not. Uh, we have well, I, basically, what I'm coming to is it doesn't have Francis McDormand in it <laughs> again. Well, yeah, um, but but yeah, you, you, I at least could picture myself, you know, at the next table in the restaurant with. So, you know, several of the characters in Fargo, but the, one, the ones yeah. who survive, and <laughs> um, uh, yeah, just having a friendly chat. And there's there's nobody here who's like that. I think. No, no, I don't. I don't really move in do desk circles. Uh, sadly, it turns out I must work move in Walter esque circles slightly. Um, <laughs> there, there is something about the slightly obsessive, obsessive and slightly nerdy nature about him that I, I don't know it, I have well yeah that, that's, that's the thing that the nerdiness the, the readiness to say I know a bit about this and I think yeah. I know a lot is a thing I have to watch for in myself so you're, well you're not but I will say the other some of the other people that I've experienced that in um, are gamers mm. as we both are and I, I do I recognise that kind of personality type of gamer, not as someone who I want to game with, but certainly that I have gamed with in the yeah. past. Um, well, there we are. I, um, I, I d- have you got more you want to say about the Big Lebowski? I know we're again running perhaps slightly short, but I yeah, though uh, this is the beginning of '98, so um, yeah, I, I think it works. It's well, shall, shall we say, is, is this a masterpiece? For me, no. Okay. But good. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. A bit like I was with... Uh, uh, I, I probably liked Gross Point Blank more... Well, yeah. Um, for me, it is, uh, but I'm struggling to articulate why, and I feel <laughs> it is more of a personal thing. Um, yeah, well, yeah, the, we we are not... E- even though we have relatively similar upbringings, we are not the same people. The audience, the audience of films as a whole, is way more diverse than us. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, not everything is going to work for everybody. The best I film in the world isn't going to work for everybody. Fundamentally, I just find it funny on a sort of basic level. Mm. Um, uh, is it a masterpiece as far as influential goes? I think it probably was quite influential as a cult hit. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen a film like it since that said. Hmm. I would. There are, I'm going, I might inflict another coin on you later, which is their, their version of True Grit, which is Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think. I mean, we we talked about this with Aliens in particular. I I don't think there was a whole raft of films copying this. No. Uh, I think in general, stoner comedy was on the way out by this point because you know. Cheech and Chong had been doing it continuously since the 60s. Uh, <laughs> I guess we had... When did Dude, Where's My Car come out? That's the one I can remember sort of starting out the really dumb kind of stoner comedy. Um, but I feel if it has been imitated, it hasn't been done with the craft or skill of the... And I think if you're trying to do this film and you're not... You aren't... You haven't got the, the kind of touch that the Coens have... I think it would fall very flat. Um, I, I can see me absolutely hating this film if it wasn't by the Coens. Mm, I, I think, uh, as I say, I don't think this is the origin of the whole man-child hero thing, but I, I think its popularity has certainly caused people to think more favourably of that as a, as a concept. Yeah, and I think you're yeah, right, uh, yeah. Dude, my, where's my car? Is two thousand. Uh, so, sure, surely, yeah. Uh, they would have been Maybe. aware of this, at least. Yeah, probably a bit too soon to be that sort of... Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, the, it's interesting. The, it's done well enough that it doesn't... I I feel like it's not the point of it that he's a stoner. He just happens to be one. Um, That's the thing that works for him, just as sitting in the bath with a whole lot of candles works for him. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. I, but then it's hard to... It's interesting that I, I'm running out of things to say about it because it does feel a bit of smoke and mirrors in that it feels like there's a lot there, but when you analyse it, it just kind of disappears. Deliberately so. I don't think they're trying yes, to be I, anything I, other. Yes, I, I think that is the point of it. Mm. Um, I, I, okay, I would have liked another Fargo. I'm sure a lot of people would, but yeah. I, well, They've well, already made like... Fargo. <laughs> They've already made fun. I think you might like True Grit, but uh, or No Country for Old Men, um, or Ah. Uh, anyway, I <laughs> <laughs> we've got to choose some other films as well. But um, yeah, this, right. this is not a noir podcast. Honest. Yeah, it just seem to be. I was thinking about what, which genres we have gravitated towards. Noir is uh, is right at the top of the list. We've done a very few comedies. We've done a ton of noir. We've done a not many horror. Quite a few science fiction. Yeah, but we've done the thing, so you know. We have done the thing, yeah, <laughs> which is both horror and science fiction, and very good as well. Um, all right. Well, to, to some extent, just, just going back to our, our basic mission statement, um, we're, we're going for stuff that we don't already know inside out. Yes, I suppose not. Yeah, mostly. we didn't. Mostly, I mean, I, we've ended up. I, I've ended up certainly watching a few films that I've seen before, but I. Uh, yeah, we're going for the whole point of the podcast was to watch films that were everyone else thought were great, and to see if we were missing out on something. Really, um, uh, it's interesting. For the most part, the ones we have enjoyed were ones that we enjoyed already. The ones that have been most critically lauded, I'm thinking of things like The English Patient, um, haven't necessarily been. You know, I don't think like we felt we missed out desperately on these films yeah though I can feel my tastes shifting and we, we may well come back to that um, as, as we approach our first anniversary mm. yes let's not pre- let's let's talk about the podcast in general then um, alright well moving on from the half masterpiece Big Lebowski shall we talk about 1998 at the awards and at the box office yeah so this is as I mentioned earlier, the the year of the big rocks. Okay. So we 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 have both Deep Impact and Armageddon. Oh right, I was I immediately thinking of Dwayne Johnson when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Deep Impact. I remember being a much more thoughtful film, and it failed miserably compared to Armageddon, which was glitzy. Hollywood nonsense. Yeah, which, which if we're looking at influence, that that's definitely the the point at which a lot of filmmakers said, "Okay, make it big, make it loud, make it stupid." Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Granted, I, Deep Impact has a whole lot of problems of its own. But it's not a great film. But I, I think for to, to me, it's probably the slightly better film. Probably. There's also a, a scene of uh, sexual coercion which basically nobody noticed. So. <laughs> I don't oh yeah, that. yeah. If you if you marry me, we can we can get your family into the shelter. Otherwise, they'll die. But no pressure. 
<laughs> oh my god I hadn't thought of it like that but they're both better than Independence Day so yeah there we go. Uh, so at the Oscars uh, we've got uh, Shakespeare in Love yeah, aka No I, Bed I, for I, Bacon the, the uh, unauthorised uh, film <laughs> um, I I don't love it and I'm not sure why because it's, it's good it's very witty it's very clever got, got some good cast but yeah, yeah it just never quite takes off for me um, it's a bit too wordy a bit like uh, it's um, Tom what's his face the the playwright um, one of the Toms uh, <laughs> one of the Toms that you've got me with um, uh, the, the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern chap always feels more literary and more clever and less human than I like Tom Stoppard is it uh, yeah. Ah, oh, there we go. Co-road. Um, Co-road, okay. Alright, anyway. No, uh, I, um, yeah, uh, it's... It, it has Gwyneth Paltrow in it, um, who was a good actor, and, yes. and, and has brought into dangerous nonsense since, but, you know, at this point, was basically just a good actor. It's yes. got, uh, Geoffrey Rush, it's got Colin Firth, you know. I do love a bit of Geoffrey Rush. Um, what Can't go wrong with Judy Dench, sorry? I've forgotten which finds it is in it. Uh, Joseph. Joseph, there we go. It's, it's not, it's good enough. I just, I felt, I don't know. But it, it fits in the category to me of the King's Speech, like everyone loved it and I'm a bit, eh, alright. And the English Patient, I suppose. <laughs> don't hate it, but it didn't really. Uh, so yeah, that and Saving Private Ryan, which, hmm. Mm. I think very we much of, that. we discussed watching this, didn't we? But mm, very much a film with two parts, I think. Yes, have you seen it? Yeah. Um, the early beach, uh, beach landing sequence. Yeah. Is, by all accounts, superb. Well, you know, pe- people who have been in combat say, holy shit, this feels like combat. I, I watched it in the cinema and there was just a visceral, it was like a shocked reaction, just, uh, it, it felt like we'd been through something at the end of that 20 minutes or so it's just a shame <laughs> and then afterwards you have a, a very standard not terribly interesting story with not terribly interesting people it's it's alright it's not terrible just they can't <laughs> there's not much that can live up to that opening honestly um, and it, it feels a bit schmaltzy and a bit that's not true I mean there's some pretty horrible bits in it uh, later on but it's good. I, I'm glad I watched it, but the, the opening is gut-wrenching. Uh, otherwise, at the Academy Awards, uh, Life is Beautiful picks up a few. Uh, is that the concentration camp one? Uh-huh. Uh, Brody, maybe? I don't, I'm a not a like comedy that. set in the concentration camp. I'm sure... I don't, I don't want to dismiss it for that reason, um... But I have to say, that is why I don't want to watch it. Um, I'm sure it works well, and it's probably better than I think. But I, I, do, I don't, I don't really want to watch it. I probably should. That mm. means I probably should watch it. Mm, yeah, that's fair. Uh, Affliction uh, picked up a uh, supporting actor, James Coburn. James Coburn again. Uh, I, I haven't then. seen it. It's not one that really grabs me. No, no memory of it, I must say. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Gods and Monsters, uh, got best adapted Ooh. screenplay. Is that about? James yes, Whale. Oh, there we go, yeah, James Whale, of course, yes. Oh, I'd like to, I should, because I love all the universal horror films. Well, it's, well. it similarly does that thing of saying all this guy's life experiences and, and inventiveness were inspired by things that happened to him, which is the standard Hollywood shortcut for we don't actually understand how creative people think. Yeah. So we're yeah. going to lay it out nice and simply. <laughs> okay. Right, so. All right, you put me off it again. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did this with the recent C.S. Lewis biopic. Oh, have they? they yeah, he has to see uh, a lion standing inside a wardrobe to work out how to write a book, does he? Okay, yeah. Uh, and, and Tolkien has to write Mordor based on the battlefields of the Great War. And Yes, but it's not just that. Well, some great interviews with Tolkien where he's very much saying that isn't what it was about. Yeah, and, and if, you, if you read his notebooks, it, yeah, anyway. Anyway, yeah. We <laughs> Separate thing. Uh, um, this isn't one of those years when you've got the same things winning every award. Um, I mean, there, there's also... Um, yeah, Kate Blanchett and Elizabeth 
uh, gets a critic's choice. Oh, never watched that. I'd probably like to. I love the the period. Uh, I like Kate Blanchett, so. Uh, this is also the year of the Truman Show. Oh, I like the Truman Show. Another one that we discussed watching because we've never done a Peter Weir film. Um, mm. uh, we've also got you know, a Simple Plan. Billy Bob Thornton gets a critic's choice for supporting oh, actor. Oh, I really that. like a Simple Plan. Now that feels inspired by the Coens, but specifically. Fargo, um, mm. but it's very good. I strongly recommend that. So, it does, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, isn't it our friend? Um, oh, Sam Raimi. Uh, is it Sam Raimi directing a simple yeah. plan? And, star- and starring Bill Paxton, which obviously Bill puts Paxton. it several steps up in my estimation. Bill Paxton was the name I was trying to remember, and he's really good in it, as is Billy Bob Thornton. It's a very, very good film. I strongly mm. recommend it. Uh, so, looking over at the box office, uh, number 10, Lethal Weapon 4. Oh, I nodded off for a minute there. <laughs> yeah, you really are getting too old for this. Yeah, oh dear. Uh, number 9, Shakespeare in Love. Okay. Uh, number 8, Doctor Doolittle, the, uh, I think this is the Eddie Murphy remake, yeah. Uh, I didn't even like the Rex Harrison ones that much, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard good things about the original books, what well, that's worth. Okay, that's probably the thing to do. <laughs> uh, it's hard having a career as a veterinary surgeon and I anyway, let's <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, it could be worse. Um the US Air Force has a problem because for the US Navy there's Top Gun and for the US Air Force there has never been an equivalent recruiting power film. Um, oh, really? It's it's really embarrassing to admit that you'd like Top Gun if you're in the US Air Force. Oh goodness! <laughs> anyway. can't, didn't they have the right stuff? That was the Air Force, wasn't it? Well, yeah, but that's not the same. You know, we 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 are lo- lo- large genitalia heroes thing. Where they feel the need for speed, sure. I, uh, can I admit on this podcast right now? I've never seen Top Gun. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, particularly because uh, Marianne just recently watched it for the first time. Oh, uh, really? Marianne Johansson, the occasional uh, guest on this show, and uh, hello, Marianne. Um, blog- blogging she... as the Flick Philosopher. I will have a check of her website and see what she thought of it. I, it's one of those films I feel like because I know all the plot points. Mm-hmm. A bit like The Wizard of Oz, which I had never seen. Um, I feel like I've seen it already, but I haven't. I probably should. Well, I don't know. I just doesn't appeal to me on any level, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I probably should watch it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the covert homoeroticism and probably, let's face it, accidental homoeroticism given the date, uh, probably is kind of obvious. A good analysis of it. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I see, I've seen people analysing the homoeroticism of it, but still never seen the film. Anyway, uh, number seven. You can be my wingman anytime. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, Mulan. Uh, the animated version, as opposed to the uh, live-action remake that nobody asked for. Don't get me. I think I may have uh, talked about Disney live-action remakes before. That is the Disney film that my kids could not give a shit about. No matter how much time <laughs> I tried to get it, the one Disney film that they do not care about. Don't know why. Um, there we go. That's it. That's my interesting fact about. <laughs> well, that, 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 that's the it. most important thing about it. Let's face it. At least in your household. Oh, from my perspective, yeah. Uh, oh, that si- Pocahontas. <laughs> number six, Deep Impact, which you mentioned. Uh, number five, A Bug's Life. Ah, uh, uh, it's all right. I preferred Ants, but it's all right. That was, is that the one that got Pixar up and running, A Bug's Life? Uh, it's the second film, I believe. Well, maybe Toy Story was the first then. We may talk about Toy Stories later on. Very um, likely, yeah. Uh, but uh, we haven't reached a point where we think they've stopped being masterpieces yet, probably. So. See, <laughs> uh, uh, number four, there's something about Mary. Faraday Brothers. Yeah, I enjoyed it at the time. I don't know that they've aged very well, probably, that all that stuff. And it, they have certainly been influential in the worst way, because outside the hands of the, the Faraday Brothers... Who can just about handle gross out comedy? It's just awful, unpleasant comedy, and we've had plenty of those. Mm. Number three, I was actually surprised to see this here. 
because uh, it was so panned by basically everybody that I had assumed it had been a complete failure. But at no- number three at the box office, Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. <laughs> Shut up, was it? Yeah. I mean, the fact that that's number three is just responsible for so much. That said, my son absolutely loves. What do you call big monster film? I forgot. Kaiju. The name. Kaiju. He just because there's a whole renaissance now with Kong and Kong versus Godzilla and Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I don't think are in this sequence. This is another reboot later on. Yeah. Um. But goodness me, he loves those films. Um, it's hard to argue with that there is a visceral thrill with like Mecha Godzilla and Kong and Godzilla all wrestling together. That's something that's nice to see photorealistically. But um, <laughs> uh, because of that, we had to watch this Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. That's a bad film. <laughs> I'm, I'm Even my son thought it was a bad film. So. There we go. Uh, so at number two, I should say this is this is worldwide grosses. This did actually win the uh, U.S. box office for that year with Saving Private Ryan. Okay. And at uh, number number one or two in the U.S., Armageddon. Armageddon, sick of talking about it. Sorry, those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, the main thing I remember about Armageddon is that flipping music video. Um, I don't want to fall asleep. It just seemed to play forever on MTV, and whenever <laughs> the TV was on, it seemed to come up with uh, who was it? What's the band? It's Aerosmith, isn't it? Yeah. Oh man, I was so sick of that bloody thing. <laughs> it was uh, the the Bruce, wasn't it, uh, Mr. Willis? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I don't know. It feels just like Hollywood by numbers. That it makes me sad that it was number one. Yeah, but. It's, yeah. But I probably enjoyed it. It probably did successfully poke my uh, dopamine glands during watching. So there we go. Good <laughs> job. I just felt dirty afterwards. It, it, there are quite a lot of uh, interesting, significant, etc. films this year, and we've, we've also yeah. we, we've talked about a few quite a few already. And there's also American History X. Oh, uh, really? Okay, never seen that, but I'd like to. I, I, we certainly both. Uh, kind of enjoyed do the right thing, didn't we? That that that's Spike Lee, isn't it? I'm, I'm not misremembering. Uh, no, no, American History X is is um, crime drama. Tony K directing uh, Edmund Dalton, Edward Furlong, White Power. Oh, I'd like. To... I remember. Yes, now I remember. I'm thinking Malcolm X. Uh, much to my shame, I'm terribly sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'd like to see American History X too. Never have. Uh, primary colours, did I mention that? Uh, the, the, the first of the rush hours, uh, back when they had an original uh, idea. Again, this was a year when I went to the cinema a lot and I, I saw both primary colours and rush hour at the cinema. Uh, rush hour was, was good. It was like a Jackie Chan fish out of water film, as I recall. Terence Malick comes back to, uh, directing after a long gap with the, Is thin, this red the line. thin red line. Yeah. That mother. Oh my god. <laughs> God, that was it. So we went to the cinema a lot, and that, oh my God. It's just people trudging through the day. Why do people have to die in the background? Oh my God. I hated that film. I just hated it. <laughs> and uh, on, on the production side, uh, moderately interesting to me at least, is um, DreamWorks SKG, which was founded a few years earlier. Uh, oh, this yes. is Being Spielberg, Katzenberg. Um, David Geffen, yeah. Geffen, so yeah. this, yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Katzenberg has finally left or been asked to leave accounts differ, um, Disney, having yeah. made them a lot of money, but put a lot of people's backs up. Apart from anything else, he's just that sort of guy. But also, right, yes. but also Roy Disney didn't like him, which obviously doesn't help. Uh, <laughs> Not when you're working for the Disney Corporation. Yeah. So. Basically, he got Spielberg and Geffen and said, let us make a film production company and let us do it the way we want to do it. Uh, David Geffen obviously had a, had a background in mostly the record industry. Um, he brought out, what was that last Lennon album just before he got murdered? Oh, uh, what? Leonard Cohen? No, no, uh, John Lennon. Oh, right, okay, yeah, I was going to say Leonard Cohen didn't get murdered, did he? Um, uh, 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 I know the one you mean. Anyway, so he, he brought that out a month before Lennon got murdered, so obviously, you know, right place, right time, and so Yes. But, um, they, so they, they started off doing live actions. 
Uh, the one I remember coming out then was The Prince of Egypt. That's the only one I remember being a big... Yeah, um, so this year they did the first animated films and The Prince of Egypt was one of them. Okay. I didn't see. I remember the advert and being intrigued. It looked very good animation. Uh, and the other was one you've already mentioned, Ants. Ants I flipping loved. Um, it may be problematic now because uh, it's... Woody Allen and Sylvester Stallone, as I recall, as, <laughs> as the characters. I just it worked really well. I love the angsty Woody Allen, and um, it's harder to find angsty Woody Allen funny nowadays, unfortunately. It's never really been a thing that worked for me, but eh, many people like it. Uh, I, I what, what I do like about SKG is when Katzenberg went to Spielberg and Geffen, they basically said, "Yes, we will do this. We we will help you film your form your new studio." But we will make fewer than nine films a year. We will be free to work for other studios if we feel like it. And we will be home in time for dinner. <laughs> That's a pretty good mission, Sam. I mean, whether that is... They're still going, aren't they, as a studio? I don't uh, know if Spielberg is still... Yes, and... Bit. Well, I mean, it got sold, and then a different bit of it got sold to somebody else. Yeah, and, it was you hard know, to follow quite what Part of it's under Universal, part of it's under Reliance... Uh, and the television and animation and home entertainment and so on sections are all different. It's, yeah, it's complicated. So but, it's hard to know whether that mission statement still... But but clearly it made a lot of money, which is obviously the primary consideration here. Well, we are talking about uh, uh, capitalism, I guess. So, yes. Uh, so, yeah, th- this is possibly not a lot of films that necessarily appeal to us. But at least a few here that that are that are getting interesting again, and we haven't even mentioned yeah. next week's film, so I won't mention next week's film. No, <laughs> but uh, it's better than uh, the mid nineties. I almost had a <laughs> atavistic, angry response to them, um, whereas <laughs> I don't feel that way with the, this top ten. It, it feels varied. It's not a ton of sequels apart from *Lethal Weapon* four, and it's yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, th- this is about the point where I am starting to pick up interest in cinema again after a bit of a gap. So okay, yeah, this is me approaching my uh, veterinary finals. Um, so I probably was pretty heavy cinema goer <laughs> for 1999. <laughs> um, I certainly was for this year, which is why I recognise a lot of it. I mm. um, shame I missed some of the really good ones. I didn't see a simple plan which is one that stands out from all of those until many years later, and I would strongly... If you enjoyed Fargo, Roger, I'd strongly recommend A Simple Plan. Oh, it's not that's got the mind. sense of humour, but it is uh, a great... Again, noir, probably... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Nouveau noir? What do we say for the modern noirs? Neo-noir. Um, it's probably a good neo-noir, but um, it's good. Clearly, you yeah, criminals who find that it's not as easy as all that. It just, seems to be an essential element of these things. It's one of those films, absolutely. Yes, it's very good. All right, well, uh, with that, I guess um, we should simply say that the dude abides. You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. <laughs> good night, everyone. Good night.